listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 419. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we complete our look at season two of the Norwegian Netflix fantasy series, Ragnarok, and still no word on a renewal. Um, I, 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 Like we said before, I can't imagine they're not going to get a season three renewal. But dude, right before uh, you know we hooked up on Skype, I thought, I'll just Google real quickly season three, Ragnarok, see if there's anything out there. And apparently what has just hit is the dude um, that plays Fjord, I guess, in an interview said that Netflix made them cut out, I guess, a sex scene between him and Saxa. Really? Yeah, I guess because of the incest angle. And, you know, on the one hand, I'm thinking like, we know they're not really brother and sister. I mean, they're just pretending to be, we guess. I mean, you know, we don't really know uh, about the genetic background of, right. of the uh, family, but I thought that was interesting. So I'm going to definitely dig into that afterwards. And, you know, hey, maybe that'll end up on the uh, extras. DVD <laughs> yeah, set. right, right. If they even make those anymore. Uh, well, they don't make really DVDs, so, you know. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we do have an announcement to make um, for what we're going to do next. Um, since next week will be uh, episode 420, I figured we will do either Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke or <laughs> Reefer Madness. I, I mean, that just seems reasonable, right? That, yeah. Yeah. Or uh, Fridays. Fridays would be a good one. Okay. Maybe we could do okay. there. Probably you haven't seen that one, so... Uh, I have not, but I know of it. So, yeah. all right. Well, we won't carry this one on too far. Um, <laughs> no, that's not what we're going to do. We are going to do Tribes of Europa, which is a German Netflix series, post-apocalyptic, six episodes. It features an actor that we all know and love from another show. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I, I watched the first episode last night and really dig it i mean i binged it when it dropped back in i think march or whenever and i think you and i talked about at the time it just kind of popped up in our netflix feed and all right this looks cool let's check it out so yeah this is one that we both binged back in the day but yeah like i said i mean i remember you know basic parts of it but uh yeah but we'll we'll really kind of probably stay away from predictions because they'll be like you know well yeah and it's not like we haven't podcasted about shows that we'd already seen i mean sci-fi tv rewatch for crying out loud but uh, anyway uh if you guys want to get in touch with us about episode feedback questions whatever sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com if you want to record your own audio clip send it as an attachment the way fred does each week join the facebook group if you haven't already and another piece of uh, big news Netflix top 10 in the USA today. There are three, count them, three Twilight movies in the top 10. <laughs> Just saying, dude. Wow. I guess I got to go watch them then. Maybe I'll watch them all tonight. <laughs> I think yeah. once you get started, I mean, you just can't stop, right? I think it's, all I think right. So. Well, speaking of movies, for my what we're watching, and I'll also include it as a tip of the week, because as I've said many times, I'm not a big movie watcher, but... I even got my wife to watch this one, Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix. Have you seen it yet? Well, I mean, I've heard a lot about it, but no, I haven't seen it yet. Was it good? Uh, Yeah, it was really good, really entertaining, starring uh, Karen Gillan, who we know as Amy Pond from Doctor Who, Lena Headey, Game of Thrones, Cersei Lannister, also Sarah Connor in Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, Angela Bassett, Paul Giamatti, Michelle Yeoh, Carla Gugino round out the cast. It's wow. just really a lot of fun. And yes, it's violent. So I don't know what to say. My wife, not into excessive violence, really enjoyed this movie. So yeah, right. you know, I would definitely cool. check it out if you have. All right, I'm going to check it out. Was oh, it my turn? It is your turn. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, So I failed to even mention the Loki finale uh, last week. I'm not really going to talk a lot about it, but just to say that, um, I, you know, all the Marvel shows have been just, to me, have been knocking it out of the park. 
you know, Loki has been very bendy, very trippy. Um, I've liked it a lot, and the, the finale was great. So, again, just if, I, if you haven't seen it. What I would like to take the majority of my time to talk about, Dave, was this past week I watched two movies that are considered, like, classics of the sci-fi canon. These are, like, two movies that, when you say it, they are often followed with the terms one of the best science fiction films ever. One of them, in many places, called, in many spheres called, the best science fiction film ever. So, and I would like to challenge those views, at least for one of them. So the first one I'll put is a Russian film from 1972 called Solaris. Have you ever seen this one? I have seen it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty good movie. Almost three hours long. Yeah. So here's the thing, and this is for both of these movies that I saw, is like, okay, you don't need to give me a five-minute scene of a of a car driving through, I assume, Moscow, you know, sure. where it's just a car, just driving. That's all we see, just the car driving from the, the viewpoint of the driver. We see the road going by five minutes. I don't need that. It was almost three hours long. I'm thinking we could get this one cut down to probably be about 2.30 on it. That being said, pretty good movie. Very, you know, makes one of those movies that really makes you think, um, you know, the very character-driven, uh, almost zero action in it. But, um, but you know, pretty good. Though, very arty. Now, not yeah. as arty as 2001, A Space Odyssey. I which was wondering one, if you were going to go there. Yeah, that many people say is the greatest science fiction film ever. Certainly whenever you hear it, people say one of the greatest science fiction films ever. And I just can't roll with that. I mean, I get it, especially for its time. Visually, it's unbelievable. Even now, even today, visually, it's a stunning film. Uh, no question about it. Uh, it's just the matter of accessibility, I think, is what we're talking about here. Like you've got a 30-minute before the first 30 minutes are a bunch of apes kicking the crap out of each other right i get what he's going with right oh before they didn't have weapons and then the monolith showed up then they had weapons right and it's all about the evolution of humans okay so all right you know like i get that maybe a bit much for the length of time you know and then we have in the middle an actual story happening which is a pretty compelling story and then as soon as that story's done the ending of which is another like 20 minutes of incomprehensible crap basically <laughs> <laughs> and i know well, i know sure. i know i know right now i know what i just said many people are horrified by and i get it i do actually understand what's going on at the end of the movie i just don't like it right i think a lot of it, and Stan, but don't get me, Stanley Kubrick is one of my absolute favorite filmmakers. Uh, his, his films uh, are rank in like my top ten, almost all of them. I know he made more than ten; that's not possible. But I'm just saying, I like Stanley Kubrick a lot, but I just don't like 2001. And this was like the not the first time I've seen this movie. I'd seen it a number of times. I came back to it now, thinking maybe I didn't like it before because I wasn't mature enough to understand the intricacies of it and everything like that. And I went back and watched. I'm like, ugh. God, just still, I still don't like this movie, really. You know, just because it's just, like I said, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I think for art to be valid, it has to be accessible, right? If you're just making art that only the super educated elite can understand or the people who went to art school can understand, then what's what's the point? You know, like, why Why would you make a major motion? Why would you spend all this money on a motion picture that most, a, a lot of people aren't even going to get? And they're going to think it's crap because they don't get it. I don't know. I, again, I know what I'm saying. It puts me in a, in a minority. I know that I'm probably flat out wrong in saying this. And I can admit that, you know, people, but I just, I really, really tried to like that movie this time around. And I just couldn't do it, Dave. Well, you're kind of opening up a potential can of worms because I'm not going to, you know, extend this conversation because we got a lot to talk about with Ragnarok. But that whole idea of 
accessibility in art, which, uh, of course, could apply to literature, could apply to music. And this may be a topic somewhere down the road. We've got a week that we don't know what we want to talk about. Maybe we uh, explore this a little bit. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. As long as I don't have to watch that movie again, Dave, that, that's, that, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I think we could have a lot of fun talking about movies, mainly in TV shows, perhaps, but I'm sure we'll get into books and music as well. But let, let's talk some Ragnarok, episode six, season finale, season two, All You Need Is Love, a.k.a. It's Hammer Time, written by Adam Price, <laughs> Emily Nice. Oh, I couldn't help it. I don't even know what to sing from that. There's two different things we go with that. It's Hammer Time. Yeah. Uh, Emily LeBrasse. I'm just going to do this song. Right, did. These guys uh, did all of season two. Directed once again by Mads Camp Thulstrup, who also directed episode five. Series dropped May 27th, 2021 on Netflix. You know, we have said a number of times that we try to not go out onto the internet and see what people think about the episodes we're talking about. And, you know, it wasn't so much that I didn't understand anything in the show. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's not a deep show, but I mean, it's not deep like dark or, or, or something no, like it's that. No, it's super deep. But There's a level of depth it, to it. It for is, sure, absolutely. And, and I did happen to go out on the internet, and, and I guess one of the things that I ran across is the whole idea about who these characters really are. Is Magna really Thor, or is he the Norse mythology character Magni, who is apparently the child of Thor? And this whole debate about how closely the, the show has and will follow actual Norse mythology has been a, a subject of intense debate, uh, especially on Reddit. And, and again, I would tend to think you're going to agree with me in that we don't necessarily feel the need to go deep into the weeds of Norse mythology, that we can look at the show on its own, that judge it you know, for what we're, we're given. I mean, that is the text, the six episodes that we're being given. So, you know, that's one thing. And, and again, I'm not real deep into Norse mythology. I mean, what I know is generally what I've learned from Vikings, uh, Last Kingdom, <laughs> shows like that. <laughs> so, Yeah, I mean, I, I did uh, read about Norse mythology previously, but don't really recall a lot of it, as I've said before. Um, but I, I think, Leah, what you said is, is spot on that um, – who knows like you know how how you know slavishly they're going to adhere to the original myths with actually i mean um you know norse mythology like most mythology are, are stories collected from you know before people really wrote them down so when they finally did write them down we see i think there's a lot of different versions right and you can say in this version here's what Thor does, and then in this story, here's what he does. So, um, so there's no like, there's no Oxford English Dictionary for, for for Norse mythology, right? Uh, and so I don't think that it's, you know, and and honestly, you brought up Vikings, and I mentioned before how you know, like totally looking up Ragnar Lothbrok spoiled. Um, really a, a major dramatic scene and in Vikings that probably would have shocked me. Um, didn't because I read Wikipedia's page on Ragnar. So, yeah, so no, we're not going to really look too deep. They, they give us a little, uh, tidbit at the beginning of each episode about some aspect of North myth mythology. And, you know, we've seen the Avengers movie, so I know all about Molnir, And so we're good. Right. And they certainly imply that Magna is supposed to be Thor, that we are supposed to view that character as Thor. And that's fine if if the showrunner and the writers are just saying that, you know, that that we are using Norse mythology, um, you know, as a backdrop that that we are influenced by. So whatever. Um, one of the other questions that that 
gets brought up, hasn't Ragnarok already taken place because, you know, the destruction that, that is wrought in Ragnarok leaves only, I think, three or four gods behind, one of which is Vidar, one of which is, is uh, Thor, I believe. So, you know, is the show we're watching what happens after? Is this now the gods and the giants that are left after Ragnarok are now regrouping and making one final, uh, you know, I don't know, battle to see who's going to be in charge? I, I, I don't know. But, you, you know, you mentioned just a few minutes ago that, that we certainly can look at this show on deeper levels. And I would say go for it if that's something that you're inclined to do. I, I may do it. I mean, there's some great stuff out there, but like you said, I, I don't want to get spoiled and I already got spoiled a little bit having read some things a few weeks ago, but anyway, um, well, that that's your fault. Hey, it is you my know fault. better. So we've got both teams intact though. Both have taken some personnel hits. Some roster moves have been made. And I, I guess for me, one of the big questions is where Saxa now fits in mm-hmm. this this storyline because she's certainly been labeled a traitor by Fjord and Ron, and you understand why they would think that. On the other hand, I, I don't know that uh, Team Asgard is ready to welcome her with open arms. I've got a great screen cap I took of her and I was just going to post it on the Facebook group and label it something like Magna didn't stand a chance. Of course, we see that sex scene that she has with Magna at the end. I mean, we don't see a lot of it. I mean, we see some. Um, yeah. yeah, it's TV sex. So, you know, she's still wearing her clothes. He's still wearing his clothes. I, I mean, I, I, obviously, I know how that's done, but right. well, it's not comfortable. Well, like, come on, man. Although it is Netflix, so you, you never know what they're going to do, how far they're going to go. But but regardless, I we, we come out of that sequence with, I, I think, the fundamental question, and I think we know the answer, did she get pregnant? And I think the answer from a narrative point of view has to be, well, yeah, of course. And, um, you know, what's going to happen there? I mean, is she going to use that as her in with Team Asgard? And again, as we've said all along, and she articulates it in this episode, with Magna, think of everything we could have done. And, of course, we know she means good, that... uh, you know, she's not like her brother and her mother, if we uh, want to use those labels. Okay, you, you is she not though? Well, because I mean, she comes up with the the idea of basically kind of calling the government's bluff. You know, so you know, she's not all like touchy feely. You know, she she is able to put emotions aside and and do what she sees as that that needs to be done you know well of course she's the one that always says that emotions have clouded all of their thinking and and have basically been the root cause for a lot of the problems they have so yeah i mean you're certainly right on the one hand about that and again if we look at her motivation for suggesting to fior that he take that approach i mean we do have that fundamental idea that if you know this company is not worked with you know by the government then why would we not leave the way any company would to go Mm -hmm. to a more favorable circumstance so do you leave an entire town out of work or do you try to get the government to see things your way. I mean, I, I just feel like it's almost impossible to see them moving forward. Okay, they've coerced the government into doing what they want, giving them what they want. I, I got to believe they're going to make an effort to clean things up and to, you know, it, you know, not cause themselves any more problems going forward. I mean, why would you not? I mean, I right. Know. Right. Well, because 
you don't have to, obviously. You know, even, you know, as the lady says in this store, you know, I can't, I, you know, I know I wrote the quote down, but basically the house and the car is more important than the clean water. You know, S- some of us wow. would rather drink a bit of poison than lose our homes. Yes, there you go. Right. Um, so. Says Trump's base. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but. You know, so, but I mean, I I find it difficult to to criticize this woman. I mean, obviously that's a little crazy, but on the other hand, you get it. It's this the working class, right? I mean, my, my parents and uh, you know took their lunch to to work with them, right? So you know, it's like uh, if you didn't grow up in a you know. If you are from the product of the working class, you understand, you know, how people like, you know, think and that, yeah, that, that, that jobs are the most important thing. That's how you provide for your family. That's how everything. And, and and so, you know, like I said, I mean, I jokingly said, says Trump's base, but that's how he got elected. He went to the places where people, the jobs were going away and he told them, I'm going to bring the jobs back. He was full of shit, but that's people believed him that that was his, uh, you know, his goal was to bring the jobs back to them, and so you know, obviously, that's, that, you know, that's a thing. You know, don't criticize the person too much. You know, like I said, because, you know, what are they going to do if fuel industries goes well? Right, and I also right? wonder though, and again, maybe I'm giving Saxa more credit than she deserves, but I, I get the feeling that there's more to her plan than has surfaced at this point because I still feel she wants to take things into the 21st century and leave the old world behind. And she is not going quietly into this good night in terms of who's in charge at Util Industries. And and rightly so, as we've said repeatedly during the uh, course of season two. So we will see, regardless, we know that the character on which she's based Jarn Saxa was a lover of Thor, bore him a child, Magni in, in you know Norse mythology, whether or not that's going to happen here, I, I feel like it's going to. But Loris is still the wild card in all of this, and I, I just don't know what to say about his character. I mean, he, he's yeah. so well-drawn, yet we don't have a clue as to what he's thinking on a moment by moment basis, what could Fjord have offered him? I mean, his moral compass revolves around what's best for him and, and whether or not he plans to kill Thor, we don't really know, but um, I I just, we get those scenes where, you know, he, he reassures Magna that we're brothers and I mean, they've been together their whole lives. So you understand that. But on the other hand, you know, the allure of the giant life is pretty strong, despite the fact that they've done things and made it clear. We don't like you. We don't want you. Ex- except for Saxa. To basically want to kill him still. Right. They show up to kill him. He knows that. So he, you know, he makes a deal. I, I think at least, what we're supposed to or led to believe in, in the short term here is that, you know, he tells them, listen, don't kill me and I'll give you Thor, you know, I'll, I'll kill Thor for you and everything, you, you know, but again, is, is that, is that Lawrence or is, as you said, the Lawrence really the, the guy who is, you know, reassures Magna that, you know, we're brothers. I love you and everything. But it just, he, he's just, he, as you said, he, he's, he's from moment to moment, he is just siding with whatever gives him the advantage in that moment. You know, it's going to come down to the end with him. You know, I, I obviously, you know, I'm, I'm picturing obviously this big battle between uh, the Giants and Team Asgard and Loki's loyalty or participation whatever will probably be up in the air right up till the the very last second yeah right what can you do for me um yeah but but again i i can't let go of trying to figure out 
what are the members of Team Asgard? I mean, we can, we've talked about them as gods. Are are they reincarnated gods? Are they literal gods? Is he literally Thor? Is Thor channeling himself through Magna? Because I, I guess at the end of the day, I think, well, if they're really gods, how come they don't really know what the hell they're doing? Now, I guess you could argue that Wotan knows what's going on, but mm-hmm. y- y- again, we've talked and, about... And Venki, too. Yeah, yeah. right, right. And, you know, of course, lightning has been this recurring theme, and, and it, it really makes itself known in terms of Magna regaining his powers and the the hammer gaining its power. Well, no, I guess it regains it because it had it before you know so that that whole question does lightning make thor or does thor make lightning again one of the fundamental questions here i think we'd have to say at this point lightning makes thor right but once thor is thor then thor controls lightning and and the whole idea of storms and lightning in line with a lot of the characters and gaining their powers you know and speaking of powers i'm thinking and i don't know if these are plot holes or not why doesn't iman just use her powers of persuasion to keep her job at the uh, retirement right yeah unless she doesn't want it you know unless she Uh feels like she's ready to make another move that that she has tasted greatness and understands that the battle is just getting started. Maybe I don't have time for this. Maybe. I, I don't know. And, and the other one is Halvor. You know, when, the, yeah. when they're off on their little uh, nighttime uh, break-in and he goes and tries to distract the guards, I'm thinking like, okay, well, we, we know that Wotan has already encountered the guards. Why doesn't he just say, Hey, you know, I work at the home I'm looking for such, you know, as a means of distracting them because he wouldn't have gotten arrested. Then I wouldn't think because I don't think Fjord has any reason to tie him into Magnus group and team Asgard, but I don't know. Uh, They're little nitpicks, I guess. Well, you know, I mean, when you run at someone saying, which you assholes wants to go down first, you know, tough to uh provide a cover story to back up that you know like so yeah but but Um, but Halvor to me is like probably the most problematic part of this episode because I mean they show us that he's not doing this of his own free will right I mean he's being enchanted by Iman right right sure yeah absolutely so I mean here this guy he's been there he's had his job for eight years he gets arrested. He loses his job, all because he's basically being used as a pawn by Team Asgard. So, again, they don't really, obviously, I mean, this is just me, and, and they don't go into this in the show as well. But to me, that, that's that's problematic, you know? I mean, I, like, really feel sorry for that guy. Yeah, and, and again, fine, if she doesn't want to work there, does she not know he would like to keep his job? Why doesn't she use her power of persuasion so that he can keep his job? And clearly the residents love both of them and you know wotan gives them a proper send-off so again not a big deal i guess although when you put it the way you just put it it does become a lot more problematic i think but you know the other thing that's really become problematic for me is the way turid has been written as this just oblivious character that fine she's devoted to taking care of her sons and i think we forget sometimes because they're probably actors that are 25 26 27 playing 18 year olds that you know so they are just getting out of high school so so we get that on the other hand they're young men and the fact that she's so oblivious to everything going on in her house the way she's I don't want to say she's running after Eric because clearly it seems to be reciprocal on her part, but I don't know. There's just something about the way they're, they're writing her character that is a bit off putting to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're obviously she's being presented as kind of, you know, spacey and dotty and everything. And, but I think they're, they're just setting this up 
for you know the big turn and all of a sudden it's going to turn out that you know she knows everything that's going on i I don't know i mean that's probably a ridiculous prediction but i mean possibly you know they could be doing that you know just setting us up for when all of a sudden we find out that turret has kind of known everything that's been going on the whole time as you said before you know she's gotta be a giantess or a goddess right i mean she gave birth right right and right Right. I mean, you know, we talked about the dating, you know, the snake in Lawrence's bedroom. And, and then that scene a couple episodes back when she comes home and the boys are on the floor because Ron knocked them down. And Ron's like, oh, I'm just here to talk about their homework or I, whatever. I mean, like, yeah. okay, I guess. Well, let's talk a little bit about Team Asgard making its move. And, and one of the things that I noticed right away understandably the team still resents magna for deserting them and rightly so i think on on a lot of levels sure but fair enough right right but they i think they also know that if we are buying into this overall narrative that (laughs) that we need to defeat the giants we're gonna need the dude and we're gonna need thor's hammer so we may not be ready to make him squirm too long, but yeah, you know, for a little bit maybe. And and the fact that he can't regain his powers right away has got to be difficult for him. And that that scene when he goes into the field and and is struggling to throw the hammer, it, it it's, it's almost painful to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm only gonna I'm, just, I'm gonna say it once. I'm not gonna say anything more. I'm just gonna say Spider Man Two. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I take your word for that. I've only seen the first Spider-Man movie, but uh, yeah, it was just the, there's a point where Peter Parker realizes he wants to be Spider-Man. He wants his powers back, but it it doesn't happen right away. Like he kind of has to, just like with Magna, he has to get like be in the moment and and you know really really desperately need him for them to come back to him and everything. Right. So well, it's just it's Sam Raimi should freaking sue. The producers of this show <laughs> well i mean he has to earn it and and i think he does right. earn it i mean you know they, they get into the factory and once inside i don't know if he thought they'd go through the door and the fire would be right there which is kind of what his reaction tells us but when it's not he tries to puzzle out what he's learned in his research of norse mythology about the flame he quotes that line from the prophecy and it's harry that figures out which direction they should go because i guess he has some understanding of the way these buildings were built and you know they find the entrance to the basement and the dungeon and there's certainly no shortage of heroics in this episode for sure right not the least well, of everyone which- on the team they they all sacrificed themselves in order for manya to escape Right, and, and they make that clear uh, in, in several cases that you're too important, you go, we'll stay behind and, and fight them off. And, and, and right away when, when they find the, the, well, it's not really a tunnel, but you know the, the opening to the, uh, the dungeon, and Iman's like, I'll, I'll, I'll watch, I'll, I'll stand guard. And it's not one of those cases that, oh, she's just afraid of going down there. We know that's not it at all. And then when she takes on fjord and dude i i don't know where i read this or or thought i read it or whatever but i thought she was gonna die in this episode and oh really yeah so i was then shocked you gotta stop that reading man i know well you know it was one nothing good ever came of reading i know (laughs) 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 yeah i think it was one of those things where i wasn't I just stumbled across it. But anyway, so she certainly acquits herself well against Fjord. Yeah. And, okay, we could argue he could have finished her, but I'm not so sure. You know, we, we certainly know she can hold her own in a, in a physical fight. She's She's got powers. I mean, I guess she didn't have a chance to really use her powers of persuasion on him if – they even work because I guess as we talked about last week, maybe Ron was just pretending to be influenced by 
her yeah, persuasive I'm, power. I'm well, we don't know, so right? Sure. Yeah, right. we don't know, but right. Yeah. But uh, but but yeah, and then of course Harry stays behind to fight Fior, uh, so they can get the hammer out. And then oh my God, that scream! I I, I guess it didn't hit me as hard the first time I watched the episode as it did the second when I didn't really have to take very many notes at that point. Yeah. Oh, just, and, and of course then we, we see him in the, in the diner with Iman and, and at first, because we hear about, Oh, he's in surgery. I'm, well, okay. Well, then we realize he lost his hand as we know from mythology, the God tear who Harry seems to be associated with loses his hand in, in right. The the first time I saw this, I thought I thought he killed him. I thought he smashed his head in the door. So when I heard that he was in the hospital, I'm like, oh, well, that's good. I guess guess it wasn't his head, then. right? Um, so so yeah, uh, sucks that he loses his hand, but then it gives him a chance to uh, to to say a a very cheesy line like. Um, well, I know where you're headed. I don't have the exact line Crap. in front of me, but uh, you know, he's like, "Oh, I'd I'd lose my hand to be. Oh, I would lose my right arm to be with you." Yeah. You know, and you see, Iman's just like, "Aw," you know, like she totally buys that crap. So, uh, so, so yeah. I mean, there's there's some you know advantages uh, to that. I, be- I believe uh, Flor de la Cour said it best in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows that. Uh, after Bill Weasley's face got scarred up by the, I can't remember the werewolf Fenrir or something or other. Um, you know, she's like, I, I, I'll always know that that my husband is a brave man, you know, because he's all scarred up. So like, you know, like he's got kind of got that going for him, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and then after all that's taken place, we get that scene where uh, Iman, Wotan, and. Uh, Oh golly, I can't think of his name now. We were just talking about him, but Halvor. Yeah, yeah, Halvor are being questioned by the police, and Magna calls her. It doesn't work, and she's like, "Well, figure it out." Yeah, and (laughs) again, you know, it's almost like he has to be told that 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 his character needs somebody like her to push him to do things like that. So, yeah, he, just say, like you said, figure it out. Like, are you kidding me? We all are in jail right now for you. Right. Don't freaking call me up. Tell me it doesn't work. Get it to work. Right. And, yeah, and, and I, I love it. And I, and I love. She the, should be a coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I love the fact that the glasses have kind of become that object that lets us know whether or not Magna has his Thor capabilities or yeah, not. Spider-Man. Yeah, okay. And, and so, of course, he's sans glasses, carries the hammer, goes to Udelheim, and he's, he wants fewer for so many reasons, not the least of which is the fact that you fired my damn mother, you dick. Yeah. And, yeah. and despite <laughs> everything else that he needs to confront fewer about, that still just burns with him. But he finds instead a badly beaten but alive Saxa who fills him in on, you know, how it is that he got the key in the first place. Yeah, well, she does more than that. Well, right. And and says that Lawrence isn't in danger. I took the punishment. And while she might think that's true, and again, I, I get that. I should probably not be so willing to trust her at first glance. Yeah. But, yeah. But. Well, you know, she you know she bats those eyes at you, Dave, and you just I your know. sense so, goes right out the window. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, I get, I, I want to believe her because she is super cute. But on the other hand, uh, I don't. You know, you can't be, and for the same reason, but also because we know she has her own agenda and she can be very devious. Now, I think I tend to think she's being real with Magna because she's like. You know, the first time that wasn't bad. Maybe we can practice again. You know, so, <laughs> you know, like, you know, so she's not like, you know, she, she doesn't really give him the hard sell. She does say, you know, hey, we should team up. You know, all these other people are idiots. And she's 
more or less right. You know, like, you know, as we said, there's problems with both sides, right? I mean, we've no obvious, it's very obvious what Fior and, and, and Ryan's shortcomings are. And we've talked at, at, you know, at length about the um, shortcomings for the people of Team Asgard. These two teaming up and becoming their own team and, and taking out all the others. I don't know. Maybe well, not well, she a terrible says, idea. Their hate will be their undoing. And while she's not wrong, who exactly is it that's the object of all of their hate? Is it simply the gods? Which then goes back to my question is this the aftermath of Ragnarok? And, you know, th- this is all about unfinished business, or is this leading up to Ragnarok, perhaps? So, uh, you know, the fact that we don't have an answer doesn't really matter at this point. But we see when she says the hate will be there. And I think the there she means is not just her family, but also team Asgard. Well, that's like, yeah, everyone like they're all good. We're going to wipe each other out. Well, that's true. And and as she says, I just know we could beat them all through all of this. We see her eyeing the hammer and Mm -hmm. she of course understands that the hammer can kill giant and and at this point she doesn't necessarily know what magna's intentions are she makes a move for it you know magna beats her to it he's (laughs) i have in my notes magna has his hammer (laughs) and (laughs) sits astride saxa ready to deliver a kill blow or so it would seem and and we're thinking well okay what stops him maybe the fact that she kisses him and there's yeah. of course that immediate thunderclap which i don't know call it trite if you want i loved it so <laughs> turns him over and we get that yeah. ancient norway well, you get when we got to that position we know okay he's definitely this is he's this is not going to end up in a murder this is going to end up in in the opposite of ending life so yeah well well, right but we get that ancient norwegian music that again makes us feel like we're in the last kingdom or or vikings once again this ethereal scene which have they been transported to some other plane some other dimension momentarily maybe uh or or is that just something he's been there before right it was What's that? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, he's been there before, though, right? Yeah, right. Like right. we see or him so go there, see. and he's he's seen he's sold there and everything. So um, it's been a place he's he's been before, but also, yeah, it could be metaphorically in there. About I mean, you know, it's like the first time for him. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, he imagines Signy at the end, and okay, yeah, she's pretty cute herself, but. Yeah, I, I think yeah. the importance here. Well, I, again, I, I, I'll be shocked if she's not pregnant. I mean, I, yeah. I, I just think that's going to be the thing that that creates even more problems for both sides. Because on the one hand, this is Magnus' first time, as Lawrence points out, when they're uh, in the kitchen at home. It's his first time, so he's going to probably feel, you know, this connection of sorts to her, which will be what she wants. The question is, how much of an advantage will she take over somebody that is so inexperienced? And and again, we don't know how many centuries she's lived. We don't know how many times, you know, she's been in this situation. But I'm I'm guessing it's it's quite a few. And again, you mentioned this a few minutes ago. He he mentions it. It just feels wrong. Eh, well, then we need to keep practicing. Like, mm-hmm. yes, of course. Yeah, totally. Um, Score. Um, I, I think we're fairly certain uh, that it's Sax's idea, you know, to uh, use the we'll leave the country if you don't give us what we want. And, and uh, you know, oh, it, it was totally her idea. Yeah. After what she says, yeah. she. Right. Yeah, you know, she says that, you know, I told you, right? You know, so now let's let's talk about, you know, like maybe some power sharing and they're both like, mm, nah. Yeah. Well what what about the scene though where Fjord pronounces both her and Lawrence guilty of treason and then he and Ron start beating her and kicking yeah. her. Yeah. And she That was tough. That was tough to watch. She calls her mom as she's pleading 
with her. And at this point, you're wondering whether it's a death sentence. I mean, treason in, in most cases carries a death sentence with yeah, it. Well, that's what they say to Lawrence. Right. Know, and, and of course, we've already they kill Saxa. They're going to kill Lawrence. Right. I mean, that's so, not fair. Right. So, uh, you know, so we'll see. I mean, Lawrence is pleading for his life and, and, you know, I mean, I, I guess we'll just have to see, but it, but it does lead to, and Fred mentions this scene in his feedback about the special effects, the CGI, when Magna arrives home to find a badly beaten Lawrence and Ron and Fjord in their car watching. And she suggests going, Fjord, no, nah, I'm not convinced he's got his powers and needs to be feared. And then he throws that hammer at the car. And that was just awesome. Well, well, it it was awesome. And the best was he just kind of pulls the hammer out a little bit. Like, look what I got. And then Fjord's eyes just get huge. And then they bail from the car. He's like, so, I mean, yeah. Because especially Fjord who, you know, again, I mean, here's a guy just in this season. has gone through quite a journey, you know, like he was the, He's he's gone from well, like you know, last season he was the 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 rich kid a hole who who steals Manya's girl. Then he turns into the, the the sensitive, crusading rebel going against the family, and then now he's you know the totally corporate hack, just like his dad, you know, wearing suits, the back to being kind of the the straight laced a hole. So, you know, at this point, he is definitely on the we don't like Fiora kind of range of that character arc. Um, so to just to see him kind of crap his pants there for a little bit was was satisfying. Oh, yes. And and then just heartbreaking when Magna cradles Lawrence and asks forgiveness. So like we said earlier in the discussion, it's a really emotional scene, but we don't know how Lawrence is going to handle things that in the no. moment he probably feels like, yes, brother, I forgive you. But you know, in another couple days, when the situation changes, yeah. who knows what he's going to do? Yeah, we talked about the break in, obviously some consequences. Uh, Magna and Lawrence go to the diner to uh, buy burgers because it's his birthday. And he, he s- sits with Signe, who's there doing her homework, which she seems to always be there doing her homework. And mentions that she wished he did have invited her to, you know, to the break in because, you know, you know, she's part of that protest group as well. Kisses him on the cheek for his birthday. But, uh, you know, Saxa kind of throws a monkey wrench into that thing or. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a tough, tough to get with Signe once if uh, if your prediction is true here. And Yeah. Or, He's knocked up Saxon. Right. Or she, uh, she, no, I'm not going to say she grabs Thor's hammer in this one. So all I'm right. not going to get just me to say right that. There. Um, you just did, but that's uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we, we talked about the lightning and the hammer. Um, you know, Magna acknowledges that he is born to kill the giants. And do, first of all, do we ever know what they manufacture at Util Industries? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, pollution. <laughs> yeah. Death. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, so, and we've talked about this from time to time, what it is they hope to gain. You know, they don't want to destroy the human race. Okay, we, we established that. So what is their end game? You know, get rid of the gods so that they can go on and do what they want for, you know, another few millennia? Okay, maybe, but but certainly... Magna has a different mindset that he feels he is born to kill the giants. And I guess in his defense, he has tried to learn as much as he can about what he is supposed to do in this situation. I mean, he criticizes Iman a lot and, you know, maybe rightly so that she uses her powers for superficial things. And I think we've said before, if she wants to improve her wardrobe a little bit, so what she's there she's heroic and she puts her life on the line whenever it's called for so you know whatever i'm not i don't have a problem with that yeah there's there's perks that go with it yeah 
but yeah, she's proved herself to that she's stand up and and you know again, like I said, all, all of Team Asgard definitely behaved nobly in in the I guess we can now call the hammer caper, right? You know, so um, so we 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 don't really necessarily question the, you know what their their motives are, but uh, you know their methods certainly. Um, might be called into question. And then we get to the closing scene, and I think we would agree that this is not a satisfactory series finale. That no way. We get Lartz releasing the serpent into the river after kissing it, ooh, Uh. telling it to grow big, Okay, uh, Fjord. <laughs> that's what she said. You just you're, you're um, yeah. You get a filthy mind tonight. Fjord and Ron are watching, <laughs> but it's not clear what they know and whether they're in league with Lars. So, right. uh, there's so many aspects to this ending that just make for a, a fascinating third season. I mean, what's the point of releasing the serpent into the river? Is it just that it's gotten too big for his terrarium in his bedroom and? Well, he, well, he has to get rid of it, right? Like Turid told him to get rid of it. Well, yeah, but and so he's right. When does he listen but to her? True, but I think he feels that it can get much bigger and grow in the poisoned waters of Edda. <laughs> wow, good point. Yeah, we always talk <laughs> about the mutants. Um, yeah, and, and I guess maybe he figures since he gave birth to it. To, to a certain extent is there that parental connection that he feels confident that he can reconnect with it when he needs it to or when he needs to yeah so yeah. I, mean, I i would think knowing what we know about Lars, that that why would you just give away a source of power for you because yeah. clearly no he he knows it's going to come back okay I think. he's pretty yeah okay. sure, for sure right and then what fior and ron know is certainly unclear and we don't know do they know he gave birth to that Midgard I, I mean there's nothing in the show that that we yeah, saw I but i guess they probably have an idea of of what that thing is okay right and Unlike whether or not magna yeah. So whether they make that direct connection with Lars, we don't know at this point. So, and, and again, we don't know whose team Lars is on at this right. point. If if either, he may just be yeah. on Team Lars. So I think that's probably the best way of describing it. He's yeah. he's on his own team, and and that that's probably about it. Now, you know, funny thing about remember when we wanted to see that thing, Dave? No, oh, yeah. at least I yeah. did. Yeah. I do. So there was one point where I definitely wanted to see it, and then there's got to be a point where I definitely did not want to see it. And the end of the show was definitely a point where I did not want to see that thing. That thing is nasty. Yeah. Oh, no question. So, like, all my right, curiosity well, was satisfied and just shows you have to be careful what you wish for, Dave. So, all right. What are we forgetting that we haven't talked about yet? That might, well, except that, well, you know, the one thing is after their shared moment, um, you know, Magna wakes up face down on the floor and Saxa is back where she he found her when he entered, you know, against the wall. So it almost in some way maybe even calls into question what actually happened. But uh, he must have been out for a while because she said she tried to pick up the hammer but couldn't, which we all know is a thing, right? Come on, Saxa, you've seen the Avengers movies. You know only Captain America is like the only other dude who can pick up Molnir. Yeah. So, all right. Um, well, why don't we hear what Fred's got, and we'll come back and talk about a grade, although I'm pretty sure I know where we're headed with that as well. So uh, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Ragnarok Season 2, Episode 6, the Season 2 Finale. Two weeks ago you gave the tip that Biohackers Season 2 was there and I started to watch it but I noticed I had a big problem of following the story and then I looked it up what I did with Season 1 and actually very rare in my case 
but it was also just six episodes, and the episodes are quite short, about 35 minutes each. I actually binged the first season in one two days. And that's just one year ago, and I don't remember what happened exactly. So I rewatched the whole first season. Whereas I, as you know, also finished Extant, the second season. And between season one and season two, there was for me two and a half years. And I had no problem of following the story. But in the case of Extant, I watched the first season slowly. So binging, I don't like it. And it doesn't work for my brain in the sense of remembering it. Okay, enough about this. Let's go into Ragnarok's last episode. First off, funniest line of the episode is when Turret tells the boys that she was also politically active and marched for women and didn't shave their armpits. And Loritz says, uh, uh, I don't want to hear this, mum. Uh, awkward. Uh, please get a boyfriend. The dwarf Halfor didn't know his Norse mythology because he was very sad that he made a hammer with a very short handle. But actually, it was perfect. Thor's hammer is always known to have such a short handle. Sleazy trick. Fjord played there politically incorrect but corporately perhaps correct as saying that Utah Industries will leave the country if they get into trouble. And this mean trick did work. We see Saxa being punished for her treason, giving the key to Lorich which landed up with Magna and his gang, and in that way they could make Thor's hammer in that forge. I wonder what she does afterwards, so seducing Thor, Magna, and having sex with him. Is that a task she got or took? Just to distract him so that Ran and Fjord could go towards Loritz? Or is Saxa really going towards camp gods? I really doubt it, but could be. Certainly because of her modern way of thinking. And next question is, did she get pregnant from this encounter? Giants cannot get children with Humans, which still gives us the idea that Turid is a god, but nevertheless, can giants get children with gods? And since they are fallen down gods, it could be. Hybrids are possible, and very nice at the end is when we see Loritz with his two colored eyes, one as a god and one as a giant. Heterochromia, that's called, and we see that in some syndromes, human syndromes, genetic syndromes. For instance, Wardenburg syndrome, first described by a Dutch ophthalmologist. In this syndrome, you have this difference in eye color, white forelock, often deafness, one-sided or two-sided. Certainly, Lawrence doesn't have that syndrome, but heterochromia also exists just as a separate trait. Nice CGI effects when Thor put the car on fire. Of course, we all see that Ran and Fjord did get out of the car, so they are still around, and we see them later. When Loritz lets the Midgard snake into the lake where it can grow, I really wonder if it will grow extra fast on all this toxic waste if it's in the lake, or get extra evil. I think they will need some CGI in Season 3. And I think when we see this season ending, we really need a season three. Otherwise, this would be a terrible cliffhanger. Okay, that was all about Ragnarok. Thank you for this ride. Looking forward to next season. I'm going to watch Defiance onward. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season five. The Canadian crime series played. And Sanctuary. And I'm very curious what you are going to do after Ragnarok. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. I, well, you know, he, he talks about some of the same things we were, whether or not Sax is pregnant. Now, now, one thing he mentions, whether or not her coming on to Magna is a distraction or something else. And and while that's possible, and, and, and again, we don't need to rehash what I think that... that she really does think that she and Magna together could, you know, 
maybe do better than both sides have done up to this point. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, he mentions about the whole binging thing and uh, the shows he's watching and, and how he had to rewatch Biohackers of, of season one. But as he points out, they're shorter episodes. You know, my binging, it's, it's weird. I mean, I generally don't binge shows that we're talking about. I, I certainly don't binge shows that I'm writing about for Den of Geek because, again, I don't want to be spoiled there. But there are certain shows that, that you know, I see an episode and it's like, oh, damn, I got to watch the next one. Now, mm-hmm. granted, I don't do what some people do, which is, all right, I saw the first one. I'll see the second one. Next thing you know, it's 2.30 in the morning and you've seen all six episodes. I, I <laughs> never do that. Um, right. But but I, I get the allure with with certain shows. And, and for me, generally, if the episodes are a little bit shorter in length, I'm more prone to uh, doing that. And you sure. don't seem like you're binging as much these days, or am I wrong? Um, you know, I, I, I've actually kind of started, like, I, like, I'm just like kind of watching movies now, you know? Okay. Like, there's, like there's, there's a lot of, as the... You know, as I see things or I think of things, I just kind of put them in my queue for Netflix and Amazon Prime. And then, you know, over the summer is a good time to say, you know what? I'm going to, instead of starting a new show, because the thing with me, if I start a show, I'm going to want to watch. I don't watch it all in one night, but I'll watch like two or three episodes at a clip. And then, you know, for for me, I think it's kind of cool because then you get, a lot of these shows are built that way, like nowadays, right? They're built as like, a really long movie where each episode just kind of goes into the next and everything. And and there's no standalone episodes. All the episodes work together to tell a story and and you, you want to just like you read the good book, right? I want to keep reading. Like I know I should go to bed, but I want to find out what happens next. So I want to keep reading. So it's kind of the same thing with a lot of these shows. And I like the going back and rewatching like, you know, you have to kind of time it, but like when the last kingdom, when their next season comes out, which unfortunately is appears is going to be the last, I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch the previous four, I think four, right? I think four seasons, whatever. I think you're um, right. Yeah. And that's kind of like the fun of it, you know, like to go back and revisit these characters and it gives you an excuse to go back and watch it again, right? That I wouldn't necessarily uh, normally have. So, I mean, that's the kind of the cool thing about binging is that, uh, you know, when the ne- the new season comes out, you can go back and revisit the old season, remember the stuff, uh, you know, remember why you liked it, enjoy it all over again and everything. So, you know, and everything. Uh, I just want to say that, Fred, I do know what heterochromia is because I saw X-Men Days of Future Past, and I know that heterochromia is a mutation. It's a very groovy mutation. Well, there's another show that we covered, I thought, where there was one character that had that and it escapes me i'll look it up afterwards but uh anyway the other thing fred brings up and and, you know we've talked again rightly so about how fox over the years has not done a good job with its sci-fi properties and we don't need to mention them by name i think they've gotten a a lot better they certainly did right by fringe you know gave it five seasons and and which you know what dave I I'm I think I'm ready for a fringe rewatch. Ah, you know, I've thought that as well. It's funny because I, I there's an Australian uh political drama or crime drama or something, you know, that that Anna Torv is the lead character. I think she's a journalist in this and my wife and I've seen the first episode and we keep going back to it and like, do you want to watch this and give it another shot? I love her. I love Josh Jackson. Um, you know, yeah, I'm with you. I'm ready to do that. But what I was going to say is sci-fi has kind of become the new Fox and you see some of the shows they put on the air. You see some of the shows that they continue to put on the air. They canceled freaking defiance when, yeah. I mean, when you look at the number of viewers, it's it prime and it's prime Dave. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, and and, yeah. and so Fred, uh, you know, mentions going back to Defiance and one of my favorite shows, Agents of Shield. I I, I just think is just a, a show 
that I don't think people understand how good it is. I, I should say some people. I um, definitely don't understand that. Really? No, I'm just kidding. No, oh, no, no. I'm oh. just kidding. I'm messing with you. I, I did like Agents of Shield, but I didn't. Lo- I didn't love it. Oh my god, I love it. So, and I guess for me, it's what I love the Marvel universe to be. But I know it can't be because they're building it around two-hour movies, right? And Marvel Agents of Shield is uh, obviously a completely different uh, setup. So. Anyway, Fred, enjoy Defiance, enjoy Agents of Shield. I know yeah, you will. Both um, great shows. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm not ready to give this an A plus, but I thought it was a, a solid A. You know, for a finale. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, if nothing I, else, I mean, finally he's got Molnir, and he finally does some some Thor stuff. Right. This is right. what we want. We've been waiting for Spider Man. To go out and 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 swing through the streets of Manhattan, it's about freaking time to take your hammer and and throw it through a very expensive car. Yeah, we will keep you guys posted if we hear anything about a season three renewal, which uh, again I just think is probably a matter of time. But uh, we will see, and I'm definitely going to explore that scene that was cut out because I guess. Netflix uh, <laughs> thought it was a little bit too racy. But anyway, that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Ragnarok. Anything else going on in your genre TV world? Join the Facebook group if you haven't. Emails can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about the season premiere of the German Netflix post-apocalyptic tale, Tribes of Europa. But until then... No, Dave, see, I'm not the only one who can ruin the mood. <laughs>